You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts. Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, guys, Blue White Breakdown podcast number two of the week. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Dave Jones. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, Penn State plays Michigan State on Saturday, but I, Dave, I don't know that we're going to talk very much about that game other than to give our picks. As we teased it uh, earlier in the week, we're going to talk about James Franklin and his new deal through 2031, Dave. All right, Davey, James Franklin... Uh, 10 years, I think with all, if you add it all up, uh, about what, what are we talking about? $85 million, something like that. If he, uh, with bonuses, all the way through. yeah, with bonuses, yeah, with bonuses. So I'll, I'll just tee you up your thoughts. You have to preface it with, uh, you know, I believe in full disclosure as far as the way he deals with us and with this job. Look, the last thing I wanted was a coaching search. It's it's horrible. It's it ruins your holiday. So that enters into it. That's that's just a fact. And the other thing is, do you enjoy dealing with James Franklin? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah. I do. And I think we all do because yep. he's civil. He's professional. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Professional without being austere or impersonal. Um, he's an easy guy to deal with. Uh, a lot of times doesn't give you much, but that's our job to find out stuff that people don't want to give you. So he's comfortable right now, which is probably not a good thing for reporting. I think you always have to straddle the edge between being contentious and uh, being reasonable on both sides. You know, you can have problems anyway. I think we've figured him out. So it's a it's it's a probably a too comfortable position for reporters. That being said, I don't understand this extension at all, at all. I mean, what? It's failing upward, is it not? We it's total mediocrity. What are they now? Four and four in the league. I lost track. Is four and four. Four and four. So four and four this year. Four and five last year, which were all league games. I believe that's eight and nine in the league the last two seasons since yeah Dave, but you did you were we you were a big proponent last year of kind of throwing 2020 out because of the covid year you remember okay uh, four and four that's yeah. mediocrity yeah this this year is the definition of mediocrity after they were supposed to have been refocused right and you know a loss to what was illinois as far as a road dog what were they 21 24. 24 24 yeah uh, this is a, this is supposed to be refocus. 
it's a failure in any way you judgment judge it since his last re-up in 2019. Would you agree with that? I yeah, after the 2019 season, yes. It's Absolutely. mediocrity. Yeah. So that's since his last re-up. In what world do you deserve a raise and an extension through 2031? I'll tell you what world, the college football world. <laughs> and and Jimmy Sexton worked them. He worked Sandy. He really doesn't, you know, I think Sandy probably at this point, really, it's not her money. She doesn't give a damn. <laughs> and she's going to be out the door in a couple of years anyway, I believe. I don't think they're going to re-up her. I think that's and accurate. What does she, what, what she worry, right? So I, I think it was up to the board of trustees and they rubber stamped it. I don't know. I, if, if I was a serious fan of this program and we're not fans, we're not supposed to be fans. We, we cover it. I, I would be at a loss to explain this, except that G, Jimmy Sexton worked the situation. He worked possible uh, jumping off points. And even when there were none, even when I think everyone cooled, especially USC, which was the, the main attraction, he, he managed to work it and instill some fear in Penn State that they might have to make a change. Ooh, and they don't want to make a change. You know, Penn State's the capital of inertia, where some of the schools down south that are, that are really run by boosters, they'll, that's the other extreme of a warped landscape of college football so i don't know man i can't explain it but it is what it is what do you want me to tell you you were talking about 85 million dollars but it's really a lot more than that because obviously there's going to be some money uh outlaid for the concessions when he talks about facilities and all that other stuff so it's really a lot more money i think which which bob bob is a lot of mumbo jumbo you know, but I'm just saying, I'm of, just talking about the financial component. I know you are. I know you're making, you're making a point, but this is, I'm yeah. riffing off that. It, it, do you not agree that that's a lot of, the, the stuff that he's talking about, unless I'm mistaken, but he hasn't specified it anyway, maybe he will now, <laughs> is for recruiting. It's for selling recruits. Am, right. I, am I wrong? I mean, no, it's all the not. bells and whistles and velvet It is, it is for recruiting. Rooms. Yes, velvet line locker rooms and mood lighting, and we well, we talked about it yesterday. Different smoothie flavors. What? How much more can you do? As long as kids are or have have good nutrition, have good food, have the opportunities opportunities to uh, make money on NIL. Really, what is there? They're doing fine in recruiting. Their problem is developing the players they recruit. Do you agree with that or not? That's the yeah. Way. Um, well, and I, I would just say with 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 one with one uh, exception, he and this guy is supposed to be that good. He just has not been able to get the game changer at quarterback, and that's really I think hurt him in, in, against good teams. I really think it has. Yeah, and that's his job, right? Yeah, he has not been able to do that. But not only that, he didn't get the backup quarterback right <laughs> when he really needed to. Yes. When he really needed to, he didn't have that right either. And well, and, he did, and, but he left. Yeah, well, that's get the left. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's the that's, finesse job. That's why everyone else is juggling quarterbacks. That's why Michigan is playing JJ McCarthy, and they probably lost a game because yeah. of it. But they also have a guy who's ready now in case they need him. Mm-hmm. And Penn State didn't have that ironed out, and that's part of what why you make the big bucks. Yeah, uh, I don't see it. I don't get it. And I think they should have 
stood firm and gotten another coach for that money my, myself, but it's not my decision. And it's not my money. That's yeah. I might have I might have said sorry and called us bluff, but nobody calls Jimmy Sexton's bluff anymore. Do you notice that he gets whatever <laughs> he wants and he'll get what he wants for Jimbo Fisher next? I mean, watch what LSU outlays for him. Yeah. That's going to be scary. And after yeah. all these guys, where all these ads were talking about, oh my goodness, we're going to be a hundred million in the hole. What happens? You're getting double digit, you, you know, triple digit contracts. It will be next. I yeah. mean, nine digits for for the entire package. Yeah. Double digit years. What, yeah. what am I missing here? Greg Pickle, our good friend, made this point yesterday that considering Jimmy hasn't been on board with James for very long, he sure made out like a bandit financially. <laughs> he's only been around a couple of months, and he's already he's already made himself quite a payday, uh, young Jimmy Sexton. Yeah, and if you see this guy's face, you just he he just looks the part, man. He just, <laughs> he, just he he would probably fun be fun to have some beers with. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of negotiations though, because. I'm sure yeah. he'd use every trick in the book. And when you have a lame duck like Sandy Barber, right. you know, she's not going to have much skin in the game, really. You know, she did the same kind of thing at Cal, where she outlaid a huge sum to retrofit that stadium. And the excuse was, though, we could have uh, earthquakes. But I mean, and, and that's legitimate out there. Yeah. But it was a massive, massive outlay of money that maybe or maybe not was warranted it depends on who you listen to but but she did the same thing when she was on the way out the door in berkeley so uh, the the problem here for penn state is that if the mediocrity continues yeah you're you're hinged to this guy i mean you're latched to him for a number of years where you can't get rid of him as far as the buyout for other schools who might want him it's 12 million the rest of this year 8 million next season and then it gets reasonable but what about the other direction? What if the med- mediocrity continues yeah. and they, they are married to him? This is going to be like the Clay Helton contract at USC that Lynn Swan sits, signed him to when they didn't need to. There was not like a, a huge demand for Clay Helton. And he signed this ridiculous long-term contract where they were, they were latched to this guy. They were shackled to him for years and couldn't afford to dump him. I mean, it's going to be a huge number to to buy out Franklin yep. for, from Penn State's standpoint. If they want to, they won't be able to. Or they certainly won't be able to on the the way they they balance their books. They they won't do it. So, I, I think it's a foolhardy decision. Dave, I was just trying to think about the uh, the upgrade rallying cry from James. Uh, I just remember the start of it in my mind. It was that 2018 Ohio State loss when. They blew another late lead, lost at home. And after the game, he talked about the difference between good and great and elite. And we're going to get there. We need to do things 365 days a year. The, that was the first time I could really remember him beginning that, that pitch, if you will. Um, I'm not saying there's a, 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 that it's relevant, but he, it, it's, that was the first time I, I remember him kind of banging the drum and saying, we've fallen behind. They didn't used to do it at all for whatever reason, and now we're playing catch-up. Yeah, that was also the first time I've ever heard – the only time I've ever heard him come unhinged. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? I thought it was the frustration level and just – it was a rant. It was really what it was was a rant. I don't even know. Yeah, it was like a – He answered something else that was asked. It was was, – he just went off. Yes. 
It was like a Bill O'Brien rant. A yeah, Bill O'Brien minus the, rant. Minus the yeah. F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. And and remember, he confronted the fan in the portal right before that. Yeah. I mean, I don't see... To me, it's all about the assistance, having the right assistance, yeah. and having the right coaching. And where this, this program really fell behind, if you ask me, and, and where it's never been up to snuff is when they had four different wide receiver coaches in four years, while Ohio State with Brian Hartline was stockpiling elite receivers. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got, you've got the offensive coordinator instability, but also all, the offensive line has never been yeah. stabilized. It's never even been better than adequate. That's the problem. You're not going to fix this with mood lighting or smoothie machines, you know, or whatever they're, you know, a, a, a great player's lounge that's supposed to attract more recruits. Are you? He might be just going with the chicken or the egg argument saying, if we have, if we have all that stuff, we'll get five-star offensive linemen. We won't have to develop them. We can just turn them loose. But I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he might be talking himself into – yeah, The problem with a lot of coaches and a lot of people, period, who are used to success is they start talking themselves into the belief that, it, well, it can't be me. It must be an external factor. Yeah, It must be an external factor. And he's talked himself into believing that maybe. I don't know. But maybe maybe it is him and his staff. You know, yeah. I think it's it's pretty clear at this point. And now that he's gotten essentially everything he wants, there's really no other way of looking at it. Uh, other than the way you're looking at it, is you, you better see some return on the investment and very, very soon. Yeah, but 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 does he need to? Yeah. That's the thing. No, right, the he buyout. doesn't need to because they won't be able to get rid of him. He's got I all just the liberty. The fans are going to be the, – the, it's going to be a – they are, they are ready. Yeah, they are and, ready. And, and, and you know what that means? It means nothing Yeah, because he's going to be like, or, or what? You know, I, yeah. I don't think he'll be that way. I think he really – he wants to succeed. He has right. ambition. He wants excellence, but he he's not really given it yet. So that tells me he, he he can't quite get to that level. I mean, let's be honest here. They had shots at beating Ohio State. Yeah, three years in a row. On three different occasions. And they just didn't do it. And why was that? Yeah. I, I think Ohio State has better players, but there were in-game decisions. Yeah. In all of those cases. And they couldn't that, hold big leads. Yeah. I mean, their defense had double digit leads on two occasions. They back lost by back. one point in the fourth quarter. They've had other shots at them. That doesn't indicate they don't have the firepower to do it. It indicates they're this close and the coaching hasn't gotten it over the top. I mean, what has changed in the last two years? It does. It, it, we were hearing this two years ago. He was supposed to have everything he needed. Well, what, yeah. what, what, what has he been specific about that he doesn't have? Academic support, nutrition. What is it? What exactly is it? Are there not <laughs> enough porterhouse steaks? What, what is it? Because I want to know exactly yeah. what it is. He's going to invite you to his house for a beer. And he's no, gonna I don't think you. I'm invited. <laughs> he's going to get real specific. And he's yeah. going to tell you. Yeah. That'll work out about the time, like the time that uh, Joe had us over. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. What a strange scene that was. I just, what I respected about Joe was 
He kept the liquor cap, the liquor cart out, man. He didn't try and hide anything. Like he knew exactly how Joe liked to relax. You know what he when he when he did, and yeah. he, just, he liked his old granddad. He liked you know, and it, and it was it was actually pretty neat to watch that. It was for a purpose. I know. And if you kept your eyes open and your ears open, you understood after a couple of years of those Friday night smokers on the road in the opposing hotel room. And, you know, I would go to sometimes and not go other times. And there were other guys who never went or other guys who went all the time. How often did you go? Do you, how often did you go to that? Uh, you were always at the track. I would say I went about maybe 60 or 70% of the time, but yeah. the longer, the longer uh, it went with him, you could tell that he didn't really want to be there. And some of the people just kind of were it. Some of the, the people on the beat were just so in awe of him that it just became like, you know, the Chris Farley, uh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> it was like, I don't, I don't need to hear this for 30 minutes. I, I don't, I don't need to hear that. You know, you know, that time you talked about the grand experiment. Yo, you remember that 94 game, that 94 <laughs> game at Illinois. That was great. And he actually didn't want that. He, he didn't, didn't want to talk to... about football. He just wanted to have a drink and ask. Yeah, he did. He loved control, but he liked to scrap. He actually liked to argue. So yeah. I would pick political arguments with him. I'd walk in and would. start. I, I would walk in and start arguing with him. Just and he loved it. He loved that. So so that was that. But the, but but those those meetings were to dispense little talking points that some reporters would. It was supposed to be off the record. Yeah. But but he would. And that that was to his advantage because he didn't want to be quoted saying yeah. this stuff. But he would dispense little little seeds of thought that some yep. reporters would print right away. That was a different era, though. And that's that's a different time that'll never come back. I can't see it. I, yeah. I can't. You remember Bill O'Brien's? Uh, <laughs> he did about five of them, and he then he he, he said, tried no. to stay awake, but he was so yeah. exhausted because he was in the film room all week that <laughs> he couldn't. Even, he had like one beer, and he just had to go. But yeah, yeah, he wasn't gonna do any of that stuff. Joe Joe had some moments where he'd take he'd get a second, and I would pour him sometimes. I mean, he'd get a second pop in him, and you never knew what the hell he might talk about going 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 back. If you if you picked his brain about something in 1967, he would you would go off on a tangent. You might actually learn something historically that was fairly interesting because, I mean, what a wealth of uh, historical knowledge about the game and college football and the, some of the weird people in it. And Beano Cook or God knows what he'd bring up. You know, yeah. that, that was that was fun. But it's an era that will never, never return. James Franklin is all about control in a different way through kind of saving the media, uh, keeping, keep, keeping open. I know you guys got to ask these questions. I, I want to answer these questions. <laughs> I know I get, I get the question. No, I know, I know what you're saying. Fair question, fair question, but I just can't answer it right now. And I'm not telling you anything. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, but I like all you guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Dave, you hit on an interesting topic and we probably could talk about this is 
you talked about his staff. Now, I I do think I do believe that somebody at least one at least one person on the offensive side is going to fall on the sword or maybe deserve to go after the issues they had uh, running the football. Um, to me, the guy that I think might be might might be in trouble is Phil Troutwine. Yeah. A lot of people talk about the OC and maybe the running backs coach. Maybe it's the running backs aren't developed. To me, I just the way that they got physically handled this year. I mean, it was so evident. I think to, to even whether you're watching on TV or in the press box, you know, Matt Millen, I think right away just said by far on the Big Ten Network telecast, it's it's by far the Achilles heel of the team, and it just can't be. To your point. Um, it's never been really right during his eight years here. He's went. This is his third offensive line coach. It's not working, um, and I just wonder. Usually, when James has to make a change, he makes it quickly. So the the season ends. You know, the season's going to end here. The regular season's going to end here on Sunday against Michigan State. But they, he does have a recruiting class to keep together. So maybe it will be some. There'll be some news if there's going to be some. It probably will be after, right after the bowl game. Yeah, and. In the old days, you would you would kind of actually feel sorry for people when this would happen. But I mean, look at John Donovan. We were yeah. <laughs> were, were we crying crocodile tears from him for him when he got canned in twenty in the end of twenty fifteen. Yeah. No, because we knew someone else would pick him up. And sure enough, I mean, he's had work yeah. for yeah. six figures for moderate six figures ever since. If these guys are saving their money. You know, they should be doing really, really well, including including Phil. It ain't like it used to be in 1991 where they might have to go and sell insurance. They're going to they're going to find a job in this business because there's so many damn jobs. You know, the, the part of the part of the ADs crying about all the money they were losing from covid is that they never really cut football. Yeah. They cut other sports. Yeah. They cut non-revenue sports. Right. And it was an easy excuse for them to do that. They're not cu- cutting football. No one's cutting football. There will always be football jobs the way this business is because it's a very, very lucrative business. So if that happens, you know, God bless him. But I think he'll land on his feet somewhere. It might have to be the Sunbelt Conference or something or the MAC. But yeah, it's yeah. still it's still money, man. It's still a good way to make a living. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, obviously, he Phil. Phil, I mean, is is regard highly regarded as a recruiter, and James might be willing to uh, to have him back for a third year. And maybe James sees it a different way. Maybe he thinks there's something else wrong with the offense. It's pressing, but I, I do think that somebody is going to have to probably go. I don't see how you can rationalize bringing that whole staff back. Just, I'm curious what you think because I mentioned I pointed one guy out who I thought done a really good job this year. With all sorts of challenges, I don't know if you saw it, but who would you name among the position coaches? The guy that really caught my eye this year because uh, because of uh, one player's two players' development in particular, the new safeties coach I thought really really has point history. Yeah, yeah. For for the longest time, Dave, even starting during the James Franklin era, the Bill O'Brien era, the Joe Paterno era, the Penn State safeties were really just kind of I, I mean. They they were not really counted in my. I, they were not really expected to do a lot back there, other than don't, just be the last line of defense and do not let anyone get past you. Um, but these guys are impact players. Uh, Brisker could very well be a first round pick. I think Jair Brown is one of the most improved players on the team, and I think it, I think the fact that Poindexter played the position and the players, you know, respect and listen to him. They're already athletic. And to me. 
he really stood out to me maybe as the if he if I was going to give the award to the Penn State's top assistant this year it would be Poindexter that would have been my number two choice and I named my number one choice in the and I guess it was a few days ago I don't remember when I wrote it but okay you haven't gotten it yet so so give me another one all right then you probably you probably are going to probably have to go defensive line right Correct. John, Scott. No left, John Scott yeah. 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 I mean, now, now granted, uh, I don't know. My big question, Dave, is was Ebiketti like almost like this at Temple? We were just, he played at Temple and no one realized (laughs) it, or did they really get some good weight on him and and coach him up a little bit? Because this guy is a terror. He is a terror. And I'm telling you, I don't know why no one's mentioning him in the first round conversation because he's gonna. I think he's gonna play a long time. Yeah, he's, he's not only he's, he's not only got he's not only got some bend to him, but he's got some muscle too. He does. And he's got that combination that you want. Yeah, he looks real position. wiry, but he's explosive. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you saw it right away in the Wisconsin game. He toyed with those big mammoth offensive tackles, and it wasn't just speed. He's got really good hand placement. Um, he he's violent with that stuff, and boy. Uh, and he's he's really just fun to talk to, Dave. He's a guy that uh, is really appreciative of the opportunity he's gotten at Penn State. He's capitalized on it. I think he's a popular guy. But every time Penn State needs to have a big play made on the defensive end, chances are he's going to make it. Are you saying he's appreciative of the opportunity? <laughs> is that what you're saying? That's um, why I want you to be invited to James's house for a couple <laughs> of years because I think we could get this thing done and maybe if if joe hermit shows up we can secretly record it there's one thing to be twisty but it's another thing to to be able to deliver torque when you're 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 bended like yeah you're you're bent like that and he can develop the ability to turn a guy and power through a guy when he's in that posture which is what they look for man Uh, yeah but but see, Scott has also switched out how many guys in the middle yeah. since yeah. Mustafer. I mean, it's not just Ellie's. Who, then then he he had some. He was cuffed up a little bit, and then Izzard starts playing and playing yeah. really well. Angelo you know, has definitely improved. Uh, all, I would say as well since PJ went out. I think I think Tangelo is one of those guys that does a lot of D'Angelo? dirty work for yeah. Penn State yeah. too. So yeah, um, I, I think that John Scott definitely uh, has improved, especially. Uh, Dave, especially, you know, last year they didn't have the spring. He was a first year coach. You could kind of say whatever, but to have Jason Owe, now known as Odafe Owe, not have a sack, he's in the conversation for AFC's top rookie this year with the Ravens. You just wonder, you know, how do you have first two first team all Big Ten defensive ends on the defense? And they just got torched early in the season, gave up way too many points. Okay, well, the, we could, like I said, if you wanted to give somebody a pass for COVID, that no, would no, I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm I saying. Think, I, I think, I think position he's made coaches, a big yeah, yeah, position coaches were uniquely impacted by that yes. season. Yeah, agreed. And we all know the reasons. Yeah, Dave. All right, hey, this thing is flying by. Let's let's get to our Michigan State, Penn State picks, and we'll also pick uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and we'll see how it plays out. Which game do you want to pick first? Uh, let's let's um, let's go with Michigan State, Penn State. I don't if Michigan State was the team that beat Michigan. Yeah. Um, the p- team that went up against Michigan, this would be a completely different game. But the last month, man, they have had some wars and they have some really debilitating games. Even even the uh, Purdue game was tough on them physically. They also this. So in the last month, they played Michigan, Purdue. 
Ohio State, three of the best teams in the league. And coming off Ohio State, it's kind of like coming off uh, Wisconsin or Penn State in that they're not just athletic. They can be physical, too. And you come off a game like that, man, it's it's tough. They are beat up. They're especially yeah. beat up at wideout. And Peyton Thorne doesn't – he might not have either of his top yeah. two wide receivers. Taylor uh, Reed, right. I, I, think, I think Walker, Kenneth Walker, there, there was a Heisman candidate uh, running back and probably has dropped out, is kind of feeling the wear and tear because he's been dependent upon – probably more than say Travion Henderson with that, that embarrassment of riches Ohio state has, he yeah, can yeah. be kind of like a change up uh, weapon. Uh, Walker was more of a meat and potatoes back this year. He's probably got a little wear and tear on him. That's I don't think the offense is in near the condition. It was a month or more ago where they looked like the most dangerous offense in, in the, in the big 10. And now it's, it's a long way from that. I just don't know how they score in this game. I think it's going to be a big problem. And I picked uh Penn. I think Penn state is in a better place, both emotionally, but especially physically. Uh, I picked Penn state 28 to 17. Yeah. I'm going to, I picked Penn state 24, 20 to your point about Walker. I was going through the Michigan state notes. Obviously he's second in the country. I think in rushing yards, he leads the nation. Uh, I think by a large margin in yards after initial contact. Dave, over almost 1,100 of his yards after initial contact. And that lead, that does mean he's getting hit a lot. He reminds me a little bit of like Larry Brown with the Redskins. Remember? Oh, he was wow. Good. No, Number he was 43. Good, yeah. But he would yeah. always take some, he would, he would punish guys, but they would also punish him. And it really shortened his career. Now, Kenneth is not the biggest guy, but I'm just saying that. If you're making that many yards after initial contact, you should be very, very sore at this point in the year. That's an unbelievable stat to have over a thousand yards after initial contact, and he does. That is incredible. But you could believe it. Yeah, I, mean, I could. Really, it. is a throwback back. You can, you can, you you can talk about some guys uh, that we, we've talked about in relation to him in the in the past. Guys who were just tough. Run. I always think of Lorenzo White first. Yes. It was not a tremendously big guy either and probably carried more of a load of an offense who played for Michigan State back in the, mm-hmm. the mid to late 80s uh, than anybody in the history of <laughs> Big Ten football. Do you remember? Th- this This is way off the beaten pack, but, but we're talking about this. The Athletic made a list of the five greatest players in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And my man was not on it. And I can't believe it. And it's a guy exactly like this who is incredible after contact, but not all that big. Who am I talking about? Uh, Walter Payton. Yeah, he's not on the list. Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't really was. I didn't take that list too seriously. I, I really was no, disappointed I don't in either. that list. Yeah, I didn't either. But Jim Brown yeah. was on it. Look, I grew up with Jim Brown as a little kid. I yeah. appreciated Jim Brown. But Walter Payton, in my, for my money, along with, you know, Tom Brady and Jerry Rice, those are the three greatest players in the history of football right there. And Walter Payton is yep. the greatest running back in the history of football, period, because of exactly what you're talking about. The the incredible contact he absorbed and just kept churning. My God, there was nobody like him, was there? Dave, yes, I agree with you. Uh, Dave, my my favorite all-time Big Ten back yards after contact 
I defy you to tell me I'm wrong. Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott. <laughs> Mike Allstott. How many yards after contact did that guy get? How would you like to line up as a safety when it's your job to kind of meet him in the second level? Oh, my God. He has to be the all-time Big Ten leader in yards after contact because I think he played all four years. He must have made about 60 starts, you know, 50 starts. He ha- it has to be him. All right, let's get to, uh, let's get to Michigan, uh, Ohio State, and we'll close it out here. This is my prediction, okay? I'm listening. I think that place is weird for Ohio State week. And I think usually uh, our old buddy Steve Bench, I was talking to him this morning, mm-hmm. the old football coach from Georgia who is Stephen Bench's uh, dad. He said, you know what I see about Ohio State is they, they know they're going to win. And the Michigan, I think, hopes they're going to win. That's right. Yeah. He's right. I, I don't think that's necessarily true this year because Ohio State – They already lost to Oregon. They have not played anybody in a hostile venue. And I know that they have this incredible air attack. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to figure out a way to attack C.J. Stroud. He has never, I have not seen him uncomfortable all year. And if if he's comfortable, if he's in his lawn chair again throwing, it's going to be the same result as ever because you can't give him time. You have to hit him in the mouth. So I'm going to say that Michigan figures out a way to hit him in the mouth enough and that Cade McNamara, who's had a very good year of game management and has thrown the ball away when he needs to, continues to do that, and Michigan finds out, finds a way to win that game. And then they lose to Wisconsin and Indianapolis. <laughs> I can't I'm going to say 34-27 Ohio State. Stroud's got a quick release. And they do are a little bit better equipped to handle those edge rushers than Caden Wallace and Rasheed Walker were. Um, I just, I just, I, it's really hard to score with Ohio State, and they're they're a little bit better defensively than they were against Oregon, and that just might be enough. Uh, those receivers are freaks, Dave, and I just wonder if Michigan could score enough to beat Ohio State. They're definitely due, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to see it before I ever pick them. I'm gonna need. Well, to I'm see gonna, this. I'm, I'm gonna depend on Blake Corum being back. I don't know if we have a confirmation, but I think he's going to be back. So that gives them their Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. Yep. I, I will call for Michigan to to be able to control the ball some. If they can't do that, that's another way that Ohio State's going to win. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of ways Ohio State can win. Not many ways Michigan can win. But I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that not only they win this game, but then they lose in the Big Ten Championship uh, to, a, to a Wisconsin team that's probably a bad matchup for them, that does what they do except a little better. All right, you giant turkey. I'm talking to you, Dave. Uh, Have a great holiday. Everyone, Penn State fans, we will be back. I think we'll just be back maybe once next week. That's a spoiler alert for you, Dave. But uh, we'll be back to talk about Michigan State, Penn State. Have a good Thanksgiving, buddy. And all All of you out there, too. All right, guys. Take care. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.